0: Podcast is presented by Wellspring of Life Church, a community of faith, hope, and purpose. All right, so tonight is I'm going to be on Passover, and that is getting ready to start this next week. Anybody know what night it officially starts on? Wednesday night. Wednesday night at sundown, because you know in the Jewish calendar, their their tradition, it's sundown to sundown is a day. So on on the fifth is when Passover is going to start, and we're going to be celebrating at our house on Friday. And you might be like, "Well, isn't that off a couple of days?" Like, "Yeah, it is." But Passover actually starts a, an eight day celebration. Anybody know the the feast that follows up Passover? Unleavened Bread. Yes. And First Fruits is in it as well. So we'll still be during the feast as we're we're celebrating. And sorry, there's going to be a few questions tonight. And uh, hopefully I've got an active participating audience. (laughs) If not, I'm going to start calling on people. All right, so first question, what is Passover all about? Dave, we're raising hands in here. All right. Oh, okay. (laughs) Terry. All right, so we've got Israel, we got blood on doors, and we got firstborns not getting killed. That sounds pretty wild, right? Um, All right, so... And looking at what Passover is about, I'm going to ask a couple other questions, take an attempt at answering those, and I know that a lot of you are probably familiar with Passover, a lot of you have celebrated Passover with us before, and a lot of you celebrate Passover in a way every Saturday with this up here. So we'll be talking a little bit about that. The idea of Passover is not a new one. And um, I don't want to try to present this new concept of what Passover is. But what I do want to do is just answer, in answering that initial question of what is Passover all about, I'm going to ask a couple of other questions. The first question I want to look at with the Passover is did Israel deserve it? Did Israel deserve the Passover? The second question is, why did God rescue Israel in the Passover? Okay, those are pretty simple questions, right? And some of you guys are like, oh, I already know this. I guess I can go home, have some dinner already. All right, so let's get into this. You can read the story Passover where? Exodus. Exodus. Where does it start, Steve? Yeah, it starts in Exodus 3 with what event? What's that? Okay. (laughs) What person? Moses. So Moses and God are going to have a conversation around some flaming shrubbery, and that's going to kickstart this whole wild process where God is going to put his wonders on display and going to bring the most powerful nation at the time to its knees and rescue a people. So in chapter 3, Moses gets called, and we'll talk a little bit more about Moses a little bit later, and then there's going to be a series of plagues. How many plagues were there? Ten plagues. Seven's a good number, though. <laughs> <laughs> I never did okay. <laughs> oh, man. All right, so there's going to be ten plagues, and then the Passover is on the last plague, right? The, the whole celebration of it, Well, now it's a celebration. Then it was like, oh my goodness, what is going to happen? We're putting blood on doorposts. People are going to die tonight. We're going to trust in God that we aren't. And then there's this big exodus rush out of Egypt, and the nation of Israel is free. But it's not a smooth-going process after that even. So when we look at Passover, I would argue that the theme of Passover and all the themes, really, of Passover was not a new theme, even with the very first Passover. Passover itself did not bring this new concept to the Bible, to Scripture, to God's mission in the world. But what it does, it is a major expression of God's mission from beginning to, to end. So some of those themes. Redemption. Redemption. Redemption is a big one. Rescue, salvation, God saving Israel from slavery. So we know that the story of Scripture has these themes repeated. right? The, the theme of redemption, the theme of being rescued by God, salvation through God, being taken out of slavery, out of bondage. It's repeated throughout. So Passover is not the first time we see that, and it's definitely not the last time that we're going to see those themes in scripture. All right, so that brings us to our first question in trying to decide what is Passover all about. And that question was did Israel deserve to be saved? What would you guys say? I see some head nods. Yeah. Yes. yes. Some no's. All right, we're divided here. All right. So I'm going to I'm going to make my attempt at answering that, and I'm going to read a couple passages. Joshua 24, verse 14. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. This is Joshua addressing the nation of Israel as they are inheriting the promised land. I'm going to read another one to you now. This is going to be um, in Ezekiel. Ezekiel 20, verses 6 through 9. So this says, On that day I swore to them that I would bring them out of the land of Egypt into a land that I had searched out for them, a land flowing with milk and honey, the most glorious of all lands, And I said to them, cast away the detestable things your eyes feast on, every one of you, and do not defile yourselves with the idols of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. But they rebelled against me and were not willing to listen to me. None of them cast away the detestable things their eyes feasted on, nor did they forsake the idols in Egypt." Then I said I will pour out my wrath upon them and send my anger against them in the midst of the land of Egypt but I acted for the sake of my name that it should not be profaned in the sight of the nations among whom they lived in the sight in whose sight I made myself known to them bringing them out of the land of Egypt. So based on those two verses that describe the condition excuse me the condition of Israel did they deserve to be saved by God? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You know, I think it's easy for us if we've watched, like, the Prince of Egypt the, or the DreamWorks one, and, and I don't know about you, but just having this concept in mind like, there's a people of Israel who loved and adored God and were calling out in agony while in bondage for God to redeem them and rescue them and, and save them from slavery. But it never says that in scripture. It never says that they were a holy people who loved God, who were calling out to God to be rescued. It never says that in there. What it says is that they were idolatrous and sinful people, and that's crazy, you know, because I love that song, the Deliver Us song. Danny sings it all the time, especially if the kids watch Prince of Egypt, and she just starts singing it, but you know, you see these people who who love and adore God and just waiting on God. And I'm not saying that everybody in Egypt um, were idolatrous. I'm sure that there are people, there's always a remnant, right? There's always people who have a heart for God. You know, but but essentially, Israel was a pagan idolatrous people as a whole. Not any different, the difference between them and Egypt from what we read in Scripture was the fact that one ruled over the other. Moses doesn't even know who God is at the burning bush. He's like, who should I tell them you are? They're not going to know you. I mean, you you can read it in there, and and it's fair to make that assumption, like the people of Israel aren't going to know who Moses is even talking about. Maybe some, maybe the elders, maybe some of the, the remnant in there, but for the most part, the people of Israel, this is... 400 years in bondage. They're not going to synagogue. They're not reading the Torah. There's no scribes and Pharisees and people who are devoted towards this. These are people who are lost and without God and have mixed in, um, very much merged into the culture in which they lived in. They were slaves, but they were idolatrous slaves nonetheless. So when we look at that, we look at this image of the people of Israel can be thinking, okay, well, why did God save them? They certainly don't deserve it any more than the people of Egypt deserved it. But there's one key difference, and we'll come back to that. So when we look at what is Passover all about, one, we know that Passover is about redemption, And rescue, but it is not deserved in any way. And guys, I don't want you to think that I'm standing up here and I'm singling out Israel and I'm dogging on Israel. Um, Chances are you and me would be exactly the same if we lived, if we were the people of Israel living in slavery. Um, Kenny might be um, one of the remnant, but I don't know about the rest of us. So we would have been that, and that's encouraging to me, right? To think about the fact that there's that undeserving element behind the Passover is so encouraging. To know that Israel wasn't special in and of themselves, that they didn't do anything to earn salvation, that they didn't do anything to warrant God coming to rescue them is encouraging to me. So when we start thinking about the Passover, and, and next Wednesday, and we start, start celebrating it and thinking about it and focusing on, um, on Jesus going to the cross and knowing, okay, this is pictured so long ago in the Passover and even in stories before that, that, this, that God loves us, that God pursues us, that God redeems us, that God rescues us, and we don't deserve it. And that makes him all the more Amazing. So let's look at our second question why did God rescue Israel what do you guys think so you got a people who are undeserving why did God do it what's that a little louder promise Promise. promise. yes yep and can God break his promises absolutely not so when God is speaking to Moses, back in Exodus 3, he makes some statements like he's watching over or he's been watching over them and that he is remembering his covenant with Abraham. Not like he had turned a blind eye or anything. It's like, oh, I'll look back over here and now I see these people are suffering suffering. For the last four centuries I better do something about it no he had actually been watching over them he called it back in in Genesis we'll look at it he's like this is what's going to happen I know that this is going to happen but I'm promising you I'm going to be faithful to this even though all of your descendants up to that point are going to walk away from me or for the most part are going to walk away from me and won't know me I will make myself known to them yes. so let's look at Exodus 34, anybody know the most quoted verse from the Old Testament? What's the most quoted verse from the New Testament? John 3.16. Anybody know the most quoted one from the Old Testament? Throughout scripture, I don't mean like people in society quote it. It actually comes out of right here. In Exodus 34, God is talking to Moses and this is the first time God says who he is, like explains his character to Moses. Let's check this out. Exodus 34, verse 6. So the little, set it up here a little bit. So Moses is meeting with him, getting the new tablets up on the mountain. And this is what, and and God is going to meet him. So I'm actually going to start back at verse 4. So Moses cut two tablets of stone like the first. He rose early in the morning and went up on Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him and took in his hand two tablets of stone. The Lord descended in a cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. Oh my goodness. So the Lord right here is proclaiming, here's who I am. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. If you want to know who God is, he just said it for himself. This is who I am. Let's look at those again. Merciful, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and in faithfulness. And it goes on to talk about how, you know, he's going to visit the iniquity on people, but he wants to give Mercy to the thousands of generations after that. He is bent towards grace and mercy and love and forgiveness, and it's all because he is faithful to the things that he says in here. His track record proves it, right? From from front to back in this book, we see how God's faithfulness has been upheld. It's in a pretty amazing resume. God delivered Israel for that same reason that he delivers anybody through Scripture, for the same reason he delivers you, same reason he delivered me. He's abounding in love, and he's faithful. And he makes promises, and he keeps promises. Amen? Amen. So God promised Abraham. Let's look at that promise. You guys want to hop back to Genesis chapter 15? This isn't the first time that that God had spoken to Abraham, but little context, Abram at this point, he's still Abram, so he had met with, uh, he had rescued Lot, he had met with Melchizedek, and now God is meeting with him again and establishing this covenant. And here in verses 12 through 14 is what I'm going to read from. And the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram, You shall be buried in a good old age. And then we see that happening in Exodus. We see after Joseph and then the family comes down and then they stay there and then they're given the land and then four centuries pass by and and that brings us up to the Exodus and this same covenant, these same words right here back in Genesis is what is coming to fruition with the Passover, You don't deserve it, but I'm faithful. I said I was going to do it. I told you how long it would take, and now it's happening. And I'm going to use Moses, somebody who doesn't know me, somebody who is a murderer, somebody who fled and is in exile, somebody who's who's living out here and is not living out here for me. I am going to pick that person, an unworthy person, to go save unworthy people because I am faithful to my promises. And that's encouraging. Guys, I don't know if it's encouraging to you, but it is encouraging to me. So the other reason for Passover is God's desire to make his name known. It says in scripture in here that the wonders that he's gonna work, he says this to Moses, I'm gonna do all these to make my name known among Egypt. He also says, I'm doing this to make myself known to Israel. Because remember, neither one really know who he is. And what does Pharaoh say when when Moses first says, you know, set God's people free? He's like, I don't know this, God. I don't know who you're talking about. Well, after 10 plagues, he certainly got acquainted with the power and the majesty of who God was. One of God's missions is to make his name known, right? We say that all the time in the church. Go make Jesus known. Make his name known. Because that is the mission that God has been in from the very beginning. So and through Israel then, from that point on, it also says through Israel, God wants to make his name known to the nations. All of this should sound familiar to us because it is the story of, of redemption that is told from front to back. In Exodus 12, I don't know if you guys have ever pondered this or talked about this. It talks about in Exodus 12 that Israel went out, and who went with them? A mixed multitude of peoples, not Israelis, not people of Israel. So success, right? Right? And you got to keep in mind, too, if these are Egyptian people, good chance they just lost their firstborn. But they see the power and the majesty of God, and they're like, that's, that's a real God, right? Because all those plagues, Dave's talked about it in here before, you guys done a study of them, each of those plagues targeted one of the um, pagan Egyptian gods, that they worshiped, and and God was saying, look, I got power over every one of these false gods that you claim to worship. One by one, I'm knocking them out. So we know that the Passover was for undeserved people because of God's faithfulness and to make his name known, and it was successful. And we know that a mixed multitude came out with the people of Israel. So in the Exodus, in the Passover, God's wonders humbled the, the kingdom of, of Egypt. And, and we can understand that because we're kind of living in the modern day version of that, right? We have idols everywhere in, in the United States. We're the most powerful nation in the world, but it wouldn't take much for God to bring an end to that. And all the more important why we need to stay in touch with who God is and be proclaiming who God is in this nation because if he does bring a reckoning to the United States and we are called out of the United States, who knows how many people are going to come with us, right? We need to be making his his name known. We need to be partnering with him. So not only did it humble the kingdom of Egypt, it rescued an entire nation of people from slavery and it convinced a multitude of non-Israelites to go out with them. So looking at those questions, what is the Passover? It's salvation initiated by God towards undeserving people out of his love and faithfulness to make his name known. What does that sound like? What does it sound like? Sounds like the gospel, doesn't it? The gospel is being preached right here by God thousands of years before Jesus ever sets foot on planet earth. And God is saying, get ready, this is what I'm doing. That's why these Old Testament feasts are so rich and so beautiful because he's painting a picture of Jesus all the way through. People get ready. I'm coming, and I'm coming in a big way and this is a picture of it right here. You don't deserve it, but I'm coming you don't deserve to be rescued, but I'm going to do it. Salvation initiated by God towards undeserving people out of his love and faithfulness to make his name known. Let's jump to the New Testament and look at some examples of this. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. So if anybody ever asks you, what is the Passover about? Here's some New Testament scriptures you could use to describe it 2nd Timothy chapter 1 verse 9 says he saved us and called us to a holy calling not because of our works but because of his own purpose and grace that's the first part of it and we're not going to expect you to flip through I'm going to read a couple more here Romans 3 Twenty-three through 24. You guys are familiar with this one. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Yes. Ephesians 2, eight. For by grace you have been saved through grace. It's not of your own doing. It is a gift from God. The Passover was a gift. Nobody deserved it but they got it anyways because God is good and God loves to give grace and God is faithful to his promises. I mentioned earlier that the Passover wasn't the first time that theme appeared in here. Back in Genesis 3, God sacrifices an animal to cover who? Adam and Eve, after they sinned. You did what you weren't supposed to. I've got to send you out but I've got you covered. And what does he do? He covers them and he makes them a promise. This isn't the end of the story. Genesis 6 through 9, God comes to somebody else in a world that is broken and sinful, according to Jesus, at the worst that this world is ever going to get. It will be like it was then. And he comes to Noah and his family and he wraps them up, puts them in an ark and he rescues them. Fast forward to the book of Judges. I just got done going through the book of Judges and my Bible plan and it's like, it gets hard, right, to just read. And then they did what was evil. And then they fell into bondage and went and served. It's like the exodus over and over and over again, Passover over and over again. They call out to God and what does he do? Sorry, you had your last chance. No, he turns and he's faithful and he said, I'll rescue you. Here's a judge to rise up and redeem you over and over again from Othniel all the way to Samuel. And then even in that, how do they repay him? Give us a king. Because we don't want you ruling over us. We want a person ruling over us. Praise God for his patience with us. Oh my gosh. Then he brings them back. They go to slavery again. They fall into bondage because they were broken and they did what was wrong and over and over again became a crooked kingdom among the worst of all the kingdoms of the world. The nation of Israel became with a few exceptions of some rulers, and they went, uh, Assyria attacked them, and then Babylon, and then eventually God's gonna find them in in Persia and bring them back. Brings them back again, another exodus out of bondage, bringing them back to the land, getting them established. During that time when they were in Persia, we just got done looking at Purim. God rescued them again while there through Esther and through Mordecai. You know, he's been in the business of rescuing and redeeming undeserving people from the beginning. And and so thankful that he's not done, right, in 2023. Passover is a major expression of that. And it's one that pointed to a future Passover where blood would be shed and put on wood and it would fall down and it would cover us from a future wrath from death. It would cover us from the ultimate punishment, and it was all pointing to that. The Passover was pointing to that, where we would be passed over from God's judgment, not the loss of a firstborn, that would be hard enough, but the condemnation of our souls for eternity into hell. That is what Passover is about. That is what it pointed towards. God's love for us, so much that he wanted to save us, that he wants to be with imperfect, broken, undeserving people like you and me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him would not die, but would have eternal life. In the Passover, a lamb would be sacrificed, lamb without blemish, And that all pointed forward to the Lamb, as John proclaimed, John the Baptist, when Jesus was approaching, Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, who one day would be hanging on a cross for you and for me. Let's check out Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, the whole book of Romans is amazing, but here in chapter 5, it's talking about how we have peace with God. So here in verses 6 through 10, I'm going to read those for you. It says, for while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare to even die. But God shows his love for us that in while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. I don't deserve Jesus, and neither do you. And that's the whole point that he is so amazing and he is so loving and he is so good that it doesn't matter if we deserve it or not. He's, a, he's made it a way for us to be with him. And I thought what would be cool for tonight, a great way um, ahead of this week, is for us to look at the Passover that Jesus celebrated, the last Passover that he celebrated with his disciples and take communion together together. So, I'm going to have the worship team come up. We'll do our last song while they're doing that. If you guys will come over and get your elements and just hold on to them. And then afterwards, I'm going to read a little bit about that story and we'll pray together um, and, and honor the Lord through the Passover and through communion. Thank you for listening to this message by Wellspring of Life Church in Western Colorado. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please visit wellspringoflifechurch.com. So I will lift up, lift up my heart.